us now we're in week five of our waiting for daylight series and during this pandemic season during this quarantine time we've been making our way through psalm 23 to look at where is god what is god doing during something so difficult so hard uh, a pandemic where is god in that and what is he doing so we're looking at that and because i think god is doing a shaping and a molding work in you Today we come to verse 5, and it's one of, in my opinion, the most intriguing lines in all of Psalm 23. It's this line, verse 5, you prepare a feast, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's so interesting. So today we're going to talk about tables and food and your invitation to God's table. And what does that mean for you and for all of us? When we talk about food, I don't know if you know this, but the average American eats at least one meal a day that is fast food, okay? Now, this was pre-pandemic times. I know right now we don't get out that much. The average American, at least before a virus hit, was eating an average of one out of every five meals in their car. We're in that big of a hurry. Half of Americans never make it home for dinner. Half of Americans never have dinner with their families. And now maybe one of the good blessings and benefits of being stuck at home is we're eating more meals with the ones that we love. The thing is this Psalm 23 verse five talks about tables. And tables for me and and feast and banquets are one of my favorite metaphors in all of scripture. Not just because I like to eat, because, but it's because it's a picture of God's intention for all of humanity, all of his people. Tables give us a, a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven is like on earth. And because when you sit down at a meal, it forces you to connect with people. Not only that, but you feel like it's a place where you belong. You've been invited in. You're sitting inside someone's home. It's more than an invitation to eat. You're invited into someone's house. And, and a table, a dinner, all give us all of this glimpse of the kingdom of heaven and earth, really in miniature and one small glimpse. But it's a powerful thing when someone says, come into my home for dinner, isn't it? Because tables, a dinner, reminds us that we are wanted, we are accepted, we are on the inside now. And that's exactly what David says God is saying to you. He's saying, you prepare a feast for me. The Bible often reminds us of this divine insistence that we have a meal with God because it's such a great picture of what it's like to be in relationship with him. For example, in Revelation 3.20, we read this. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I'll come in with you and we'll sit down for a meal. You see, this reminder is given over and over again in scripture because because tables and dinners create community. They feed community. They create oneness and intimacy with others. Have you ever not been invited to a dinner? Okay, so let's say you heard there were rumors that your friends, people who you were close to, were getting together for an occasion. And you kept waiting for that text. You kept waiting for that evite, and it never came. 
And then all you see are the pictures on social media, and it just hurts. It cuts so deep because it's more than, it's, that, it's not just that you missed out on great food, but it says you are not wanted in. We've left you on the outside. When Jesus was here, tables had a lot of meaning for him because at Jesus's table, nobody was left on the outside. Everybody was invited in. When Jesus arrived on the scene in first century Israel, of course, meals were a big deal to the Jewish people, but life divided at the table because a Jew would only eat with a pure Jew. It was sacramental. And, and, a Jew, and so life not only separated at the table, life segregated at the table over nationality issues, over religious issues, even over their racial issues is where life divided at the table. Then Jesus comes along and he turns their tables upside down. Yes, literally he does that, but then also he breaks and violates all of their table manners. They're so offended by his table manners, his insistence that everyone and anyone could sit at the table with him, they wanted to kill him. And they actually did. In Luke 14, Jesus says this, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who can return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You will be an experience a blessing. Do you see how Jesus throws open wide the gates and the doors to the kingdom of heaven? And he says, everyone is invited to sit at my table. That's the same exact invitation that David gives a thousand years earlier when he says, God wants you. God says to you, come and sit at my table. I'm preparing a feast for you. You see, Jesus use tables to create an all-inclusive society, a society where nobody was left out. Everybody was, was wanted. I, and that's why I say I feel like personally the table is maybe my favorite or the best icon, the best representation, the best picture of what the kingdom of heaven on earth is meant to look like. And I, you've heard, if you've known me for any length of time, you've heard me say that I'm confident that Jesus's favorite metaphor for the kingdom of heaven on earth was a dinner and a banquet where everyone was invited and welcome. That's the reason when we built our worship house at the Grove, we filled it with so many tables. There's tables everywhere. My favorite, you've heard me say, is our, our big banquet tables, big giant dining room tables that seat like 16 or 18 people. And we remind people all the time, those tables are to remind you that at Jesus' table, at God's table, he wants people of every background, every nationality, every ethnicity, every race to sit together as one. Some say that Jesus was a foodie. I would agree with that. Because when you read Psalm 23, 5, we read that David says, you prepare, God prepares a feast for me. How is that? So it's not just, God doesn't just prepare 
you know, crackers and uh, some kind of snack, some kind of hors d'oeuvre, cheese on a, on a toothpick. No, he has a feast for you. So when Jesus was here, we read so often that he had meals. Some say he ate his way through the gospels. When you read the book of Luke, it seems like every other chapter is about the meals that Jesus ate. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders got so irritated with how much they ate, they finally said to him, they said, why is it that the disciples of John, they fast, they fast a lot. The disciples of the Pharisees, they fast a lot. But your disciples, they eat so much. But it's because, there's a reason, because all of the food and all of the eating was a reminder to everyone around Christ that you are invited to my table. And that's what David pulls out for us, reminds us of in Psalm 23, verse 5, that we have this invitation. Because an invitation to a table like God gives to us in verse 5 is an invitation to community. It's an invitation to intimacy. It's, It's an invitation to oneness. It's an invitation to be loved and accepted. I think a meal embodies, maybe more than any other picture, the good news and our calling. Because for Jesus, a meal wasn't just a metaphor. A meal was in one of the ways that he used to actually bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, that it actually was happening in that meal. Don't ever miss that. And that's the reason... Several years ago, we started holding one table dinners at the Grove. The last one we held, we had announced to our people at the Grove, we said, invite, and you've heard me share this if you've known me for any length of time, but we said, invite everyone and anyone. Invite your neighbors who don't get invited out much. Tell everyone that they're invited and it doesn't cost a cent. They don't have to bring a thing, just show up. And so we asked for RSVPs. We had over a thousand people RSVP, including I'd invited two pastor friends in town, Pastor Jesus and Pastor Stowe, to invite their people. So they were coming too. And so a thousand people, and we had promised everyone we'll sit at one table because we set a bunch of tables. It doesn't give you the same picture. Fortunately, we have at the Grove, we sit in a pistachio grove, right? And our longest stretch of trees goes over a thousand feet. So we set up through that row of trees, a thousand foot long table. When we were done setting it up, when you stood at one end, you couldn't even see the other end. It was was more than three football fields long. And then as people started to set down place settings that Sunday afternoon, people were supposed to come at at five o'clock. Paul Gunther and I, we looked at each other. We go, oh my goodness, we're never going to fill this massive table. What were we thinking? But sure enough, at like 4.30, people started filing in, finding seats at the table. Before long, every seat was taken. And, and including people from 12 different Latin American countries that came from Pastor Jesus' church. It felt like heaven on earth. And I share that just to remind all of us that tables become a real place where the kingdom of God is expressed. And a reminder every time we sit at the table with people we care about that that God invites you into a relationship like that with him. That's what we read in Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table for me 
God wants you to have this relationship with him that is deep and meaningful and lasting. You're always on the inside with him, never on the outside. We read this second line in verse five that's really interesting and maybe confusing. We read this, you prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. Why would David say that? I think David's point is this, that when you are in trouble, when you feel desperate, when you have people attacking you, when you're in a pandemic and you feel like life is falling apart, that God brings peace into your life, peace to your family, peace in your relationships. Because think about it with me. You can't eat a meal when you're feeling hostile towards someone, can you? Especially with that person. Years ago, when I finished high school, I had a friend from high school. She was an incredible basketball player. She was, I was sure, we are all sure she's going to get a D1 scholarship, and she did. And so she and her father were visiting different colleges that were offering her scholarships. And she ends up at one college, and she thought about playing there. And then the coach invited them to dinner. And she tells me the story like this. She said, when they sat down at dinner, their food came. And just when the food arrived, Her father asked the coach this. Her father said, I hear that you often yell and cuss at the players a lot. And we're Christians. And I just want want you to know, I don't want you cussing at my daughter. She plays here. The coach was furious. She pushed her plate back, crossed her arms, and never took a bite. And thank goodness this friend of mine played D1 basketball somewhere else. My point is the coach couldn't talk anymore. She couldn't eat anymore. She was so angry. Meals, you can't have dinner with someone if you're upset with them. Sometimes as a pastor, we never like these invitations. People invite us to lunch. And then when you sit down for lunch, the, the other foot drops and they start to complain about something. Then you realize, oh, we're having lunch to talk about this complaint. You know what? Just come in the office and we'll talk there. Don't ruin, you know, a good five guys hamburger with a complaint. You can't, you can't have meals like that. When David talks about the meals that God brings to our lives, they're meals of peace. They're peace-bringing meals. If you need to reconcile with someone, have dinner with them. If you need more peace in your home, have dinner together. Maybe even during this pandemic time, you're scattered around the house eating. Sit down together as one. Something happens there, and it reminds us of our relationship with God. The psalmist, um, when he writes about this, he says, you prepare a table for me. And I think it begs the question, who will you prepare a meal for as well? Because when Jesus talked about dinners, remember he shares this parable and he says this, this person prepares a dinner, invites all of his friends and they don't come. So he sends workers out into the street and he says, invite everyone and anyone. That's who I want at my table. And the workers go out. And they invite in everyone they can until the table is filled. My point is, the workers in Jesus' story, they are you. That's you. So who will you invite to the table? I want you to think about people in your life, this pandemic season. You're separated from them now. Start making a list. When this is all over, and it will be, I'm going to promise you that, 
you, there will be a day soon when you can invite those friends into your backyard for a barbecue or into your dining room to sit down for a feast that you prepared for them. When David writes about this, we read in 2 Samuel that David starts to invite in people into, when he becomes king, into his palace for dinner. He had promised Saul before Saul died that he would not punish Saul's children and grandchildren. He promised him that. So when he becomes king, when David becomes king, even though Saul tried to kill him, he makes that promise. So when David becomes king, he starts to invite in David's relative. He starts to look for them. The only relative of Saul that, that his people can find is a man named Mephibosheth. And, and they say, King David wants you to come to the palace. But he can't walk. He's lame, both his feet. And so they pick him up and they carry him to the palace. And Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth says, why have you brought me here to punish me? I didn't do anything. My uncle Saul is the guilty one. And David says, no, I haven't brought you in to, to curse you, but to bless you. In fact, Mephibosheth, I brought you in to have dinner with me tonight. And so he has him sit at the table of the king. And then David tells him every night for the rest of your life, I'm going to send people to your house to carry you to my table. You see, that's how David lived out his life. The same way that God prepared a table for him and for us. He began preparing a table for others to invite them in to this kingdom relationship with God. And so my challenge to you this pandemic season is to get very good at cooking. All right. This is your time to practice up. The the millennials and Gen Z, they're already doing it, all right? They are the true foodies. They've given us a new vocabulary. They talk about organic food. They talk about farm fresh. They talk about no pesticides, no antibiotics, all right? And so they love to cook. And do you know what I love most about Gen Z and the millennials? They'll eat meals with everyone and anyone. They love sitting in restaurants at community tables, I want to invite you to make your house like that. Start preparing now. Practice up. Get five of your best dishes ready. That's my challenge. And so may the peace of God as we end this today, may the peace of God that this meal brings, that David writes about, may you have that peace in your home and in your life right now.